You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on, lines the deep left field, and is gone! It went! Deep right! Batista's gonna wave goodbye! Start the fireworks show! This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 131. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's episode, We'll talk about some meatballs, talk about things that happened in the recent weeks of games, talk about Tyler Naquin's injury and the the potential return of Bradley Zimmer, Jake Bowers, and what it means for the Indians going forward. Talk about Carlos Carrasco making an emotional return to the mound on Saturday, on Sunday, and the potential of him to be sort of a fireman reliever, Andrew Miller type in the playoffs and all that. And we'll look ahead to the twin series, which is at this point, the only series that seems to matter for the Indians with the AL Central on the line. Before we get into all that, I wanted to read a review that we got on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it was five stars from here bed here be dragons nyc he said awesome info hilarious i love you guys and party info about the tribe but keeps me engaged with your humor and totally mixed metaphors keep up the good work guys go tribe thank you here be dragons nyc it's a very nice review i like that um thank you for reviewing those if you're listening now whether it's from itunes spotify wherever leave us a review uh, share with your friends whatever you want to do um, joining me for all this as we do every week is none other than mr Merritt rolfing Merritt, how you doing I'm filing a complaint with the Department of Labor. You're making me work on Labor Day, and I'm sick of this, man. <laughs> I'm sick of this. No, this is Sunday, Merritt. Remember, we record Sunday nights. What are you talking about? This The sun is not out right now. It's not the middle of a Monday afternoon. I'm not drinking because... coffee in my pajamas. No. <laughs> it's not a normal thing at all. It's fine. <laughs> fine. All right. You, you escaped that one due to the non-instant, uh, instinctual, no, something non-live uh, aspect of podcasts yeah, you can't prove when we record this merit it is currently nine o'clock on a sunday night you have no you proof son of a <laughs> this is how we they just get watched, you people uh... this is why we need to unionize <laughs> podcasters because these damn <laughs> editors are always getting on your ass about everything <laughs> about doing the podcast <laughs> i'm doing the podcast <laughs> yes. up your ass about it jeez i'm fine hi it's great to hi, be here doing great yeah it is it's nice it's a nice labor day weekend it's it, it'd be nice if we had better games to lead into it so you can yeah. sort of enjoy it but yeah um I, I watched i didn't watch a ton of i wasn't focused on the games this weekend because i recapped on friday and i was like you know what i don't want to do this again and then so they were just kind of background noise for doing other things um over the weekend and i watched recaps right before the podcast just to Refresh of what happened, and oh right, it was miserable. Everything about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quite terrible. Quite terrible. So on that exciting, upbeat note, meatballs. Let's talk about the meatballs. <laughs> the best is what you mean. Um, so mine, uh, my first one is I tried to find good things for these weeks for meatballs because I think we need it after getting swept by the Rays and whatever happens against the White Sox tonight. So my first one is Roberto Perez. He hit a home run. He hit on 112.8 miles per hour. It was the 11th hardest hit ball of the week in all of MLB. And, of course, it led the Indians. It was on a 3-2 count when the Indians were already up 7-1 over the Tigers, so it didn't really do a whole lot. But it was a ball that was um, inside. And, of course, it's it's Roberto Perez. So when he crushes things, it's usually not anything except mistakes over the center of the plate. But this was a pitch way inside. It's a ball that um, – the, it's the only time in the way that baseball savant splits up the pitches for the what they call game day zones, which is the ones that like MLB.com uses um, – it was in technically zone 11, which is sort of like the corner of the plate that's up and inside and just the inside edge. And it's the first ball that Roberto Perez hit in that area over 93 miles per hour this season. So it was a neat little ball that he absolutely crushed. And I watched the highlight of again, and his bat speed is just incredible on this hit. Like, he was looking for it. He knew where it was coming. 
and then he just demolished it. And then he was terrible the rest of the week, but that was a really good hit, and I thought it was worth commending him for because I want him to be good again like he was at times this season, and maybe he can streak again as we head into the playoffs. What if he just keeps on getting better and better in this very linear fashion? By, by <laughs> like he slowly I mean, gets better at one zone every month? No, no, no. I mean, like last year he had, uh, where is he? There he is. He had what? An, OP, an OPS plus of 42. This year it's 92. So if we were to continue that arc, it would be like 145 or something next next year. And that's what I'm talking about. Next year he's going to hit so, 65 <laughs> home runs or something. So what if he slowly morphs into Mike Trout and then just flies right by him is what you're saying? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying to you. Well, still we'll... maintaining a 220 batting average. I think that's actually that, that, that... <laughs> that's the that's the qualifier. <laughs> he's got to still have a 220 batting average and then <laughs> that's my kind of player right there. I mean, he could still just walk a ton, you know, he could have like a a 500 on base percentage and it only hit 220 all dingers baby. That's my kind of player right there. A couple triples cuz he's Roberto Perez. He's got the wheels. He can that's fly. That's true. He's known as Roberto Wheels Perez. I believe that's what's on the, what's on the back of his uh, <laughs> players weekend jersey. Just the word wheels, the Z. Matt, the Indians have hit 784 balls over 100 miles an hour this year. Something like that. It's 780 something. I, I closed the page and now I forgot what the number was. <laughs> I believe exactly. you. <laughs> but somewhere in I'll that. I'll take your word for it. Somewhere in that realm. And, Mike, I was curious to see. The whole goal was to find out just uh, how are the new guys doing in terms of hitting the ball very hard. And the answer is that Fernando Reyes has hit the ball over 100 miles an hour 22 times while with the Indians. Now, he's only been with the team for, what, a month? And that seems pretty good, right? I mean, if you were to prorate that out to an enti- the entire season, that'd be about 110-ish, something like that, right? Interesting. Francisco Lindor's done it 123 times so far this year. And uh, Carlos Santana's done 125 times. So uh, because it's an Indians podcast, it always comes back around to praising Francisco Lindor. He continues to be the best player the Indians have had in a long, long time. And I love it. I love it so much. That's really the extent of the meatball, I suppose. I read down some other numbers. You know, uh, Yu Chang has done it five times. Jordan Luplo in part-time play, 23. Uh, Yasiel Puig's at 25 uh, 100-plus mile-an-hour batted balls. Jose Ramirez, 78. Tyler Naquin, who's now dead, 56. Rest um, your, your your friend, Roberto Perez, 68. So there you go. And next year, he'll do that, uh, what? Um, 136 times. 185 times, actually. I've decided it's going to be more oh. of a, 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 a bit steeper. <laughs> There's an increase now. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. I don't know. I just thought that was, uh, like I said, I just wanted to see how the new guys were doing in terms of hitting the ball hard because there's so few things you can really control as a hitter what's yours what's your next meatball uh mine so it's a similar note to a weird slash line it's a really quick one jason kipnis his slash line last week was 188 188 750 (laughs) he went three for 16 with exactly three home runs and no walks that was right every single hit in the last week went out of the park but he also had a terrible week otherwise I would like to see somebody line. carry something. That that's is that the Roberto Perez line now? You need a higher on base percentage, I think. But yeah, yeah, seven fifty right. slash is about right. I yeah, guess he's had two home runs. So he's figured he has eighteen plate appearances over that many games. He had three home runs and walks four times. So that's a four fifty on base percentage, something like that. That's a Roberto line, yeah. And that's a Roberto line. There you go. <laughs> when Roberto Perez is in the Hall of Fame, that's what his line's gonna be. He'll have like a two hundred batting average under his plaque and he'll be good. They'll call it a Bebo, and there you go. <laughs> that was a quick one, but do you have a, a final one for us? I do, I do. Uh, it's about Aaron Savale. He's um, not my favorite pitcher. That's uh, I don't know who that is anymore. What is favorite? But I always like watching young players, uh, young pitchers kind of flourish. And because he's such an interesting type, 
But with the way he attacks hitters and whatnot, it's uh, very interesting. We talked a lot about the spin rate on his uh, cutter and his sinker and all that sort of a thing. His curves, curveball spin is in the 95th percentile, though. 95. 95. It um, has 66.8 inches of drop, which is 6.6 inches more than the average curveball in baseball. That alone could be a fun enough meatball, because that's really cool, Matt. Um, I've said before many times, I love curveballs. They're neato. I believe that was your meatball before, right? The Aaron Savali spin rate is bonkers? Just in general. Or was I that mean, just a post? Yeah. yeah. That, that was a post about his... Uh, I, talk, I was talking about his uh, cutter and his sinker, how he's parent. His spin rate, yes. In general, he must have amazing fingers or, or something. I don't know. That's the only thing I could think. But I like this, too, because it's, it's doing two things. First, it's just demonstrating that he has a great tertiary pitch even because the way we've talked in the past, it's like, how, what, what's he, what else is he going to do besides be this kind of guy who just kind of goes one way or the other with this pitch? You know what I mean? Kind of like a, a, a late career, um, a very fat man, uh, Bartolo Colon. Well, that, that, that's basically what Colon has been doing for the last couple of years when he was still pitching was you just was cutting the ball and throwing two seam resistant, throwing the same pitch over and over, but it would move any one of eight directions. But, uh, Savali is also kind of communicating to us what kind of pitcher he could become because if he has these two pitches that can go one way or the other combined with a curveball that falls off the plate, that is a very intriguing pitcher who will, as we know, he's really outperforming his uh, peripherals. Hey, man, that was. Uh, Meatball. And at this point, your sigh is just part of the audio. I just need to put it in there. (laughs) It always comes the exact same. It's like three meat slaps and then a merit sigh and then the. The big meatballs come. Um, so our first sort of news thing of the week is is not a good one. Uh, Tyler Naquin was running down the ball in Tampa Bay. He was full sprint. His legs, he was he was planting. I think it was on the right leg, and then he came down. It looked sort of like something buckled in his knee, and then he did run into the wall, and then he bounced off and just laid on the ground and looked in like a ton of pain. Oscar Mercado ran over to him and was waving as if he was as if Tyler died. <laughs> he was, there was a lot of urgency there to get him over, and he was eventually carted off. And they they did an MRI the next day, and he had torn acl so he's obviously out for the season um it's a it's a big blow to the indians considering how downright competent he was this season he wasn't a, an all-star hitter or anything but he's been able to kill the junk pitches that he's good at hitting and he's been well enough for an indians outfield that's been beat up enough for this for this team jake bowers obviously was recalled afterwards he was the next in line i guess to be the left fielder i believe he got a double he tripped over the the bullpen mound over nothing and didn't seem to notice it and dropped the ball so he had an up and down day in his not, not debut, but his return from being option. Bradley Zimmer is another option. At some point, he just came off the 60-day DL, but he was optioned immediately AAA. You know, the Indians said before they wanted to give him as much time and as much games in the minors to get back and get ready, I'd assume, so he can learn to make contact better if he's if he was slow to uh, coming back from the injury. So it's just a, not a good season for Indians for the Indian injuries. It's Everybody seems to go down somewhere at some point. Obviously, Jose Ramirez is gone now. Carlos Grasco just came back, but he's not going to be a starter because of injuries. Jordan Luplo is just back now, but of course he missed a huge chunk of time. So, I mean, this it's does this change a whole lot about the Indians? I don't think Tyler Naquin was the anchor of the the offense by any means, but he's also this is just yet another on top of a ton of injuries the Indians had, and he's he was pretty good for streaks of the season. Well, the Indians are lacking in something that many other playoff caliber teams have, and that's league average hitters. Uh, I think Tyler Naquin was. One of four, I guess. If you want to include Mike Freeman, you can. Uh, one of four, one of five hitters who were active at the time of his injury with an OPS plus over one hundred. 
So it's troubling, I guess. To uh, I mean, I guess you can you, know, you can include Roberta Perez in there because it was ninety two ish, you know. So, well, that is a depressing stat. Thanks, Mary. <laughs> I didn't hey, know if man, the number you know, was that low. That <laughs> yeah, is a sad very, meatball that you brought out in the middle of the post meatball segment. <laughs> and you're right too, because Jose was barely league average, but he was injured, and then Luplo wasn't uh, active. So, I mean, yeah, you know, Ugh. Reyes is Reyes is at eighty nine, Puig's at eighty seven. So it's it's not like they've been. I think the fact that they are. 79 and 58 with this utter dreck offensively it's a statement to something i don't know what yet but it's definitely a statement to something or other and it might also be worth noting that among active hitters let's see where would he be brad miller would be fifth God after his it. comments about leaving <laughs> he hasn't gone any lower his 92 wrc plus would still be in the top five oh, which is not a good among sign. indians yes okay right <laughs> yes not in the oh. baseball <laughs> He's 92. He's not still good, but okay, the Indians yeah. are not good. You know, and the, Sorry, and I got you off your track. I just, I heard you say that. I went to look. I was like, oh, he's right. That sucks. And this is yet another instance where I hate to remind myself and others that there are five <laughs> former Indians from last year who would be top two or three hitters on the Indians this year, uh, you know, including guys, obviously, like Michael Brantley, but also, well, now I can't even find them because they signed so many goddamn people. Edwin Encarnacion is at 115. Yeah, he's hurt right now, but again, it's... That'd be a nice number just to have on the team at all, anywhere. But instead, they do not have that. And, you know, I mean, we're, we're dealing with some small sample sizes here in Reyes, although we're at 107 plate appearances for him, 103 for Puig. And Reyes is just is just down for the entire season. So, um, I don't know. It's a little sad. But what are you going to do? Because this is the most snake-bitten year in Indians history. Not really, but, you know, of late um, it wasn't going to get any easier. Is this the most snake bitten to what is it? Snake bitten to good ratio? <laughs> like I'm sure there have been times where they've been injured a ton and just terrible anyway. But as far as being a potentially pretty good team, I think they. I mean, everybody's healthy. They probably can still win. They would have won the AL Central. Like if Lindor was here from the beginning, if man, who else was out at the beginning? Was it, was it Jose Ramirez was out? Kipnis was out, I believe. Like if all these guys Ramirez were healthy the whole season. theoretically out, so, you know, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he just was terrible. <laughs> he was terrible. But if he, was, if he wasn't in a slump for half the season, I feel like this is still a team that would have won by quite a bit. So that's, it's just the injuries and shit luck that's dragging him down more than anything. And I mean, I wouldn't say quite a bit, just because, again, we're dealing with a twin team that is hitting 150,000 home runs, apparently. But, but still, you're right. Uh, if... If all the pitchers were healthy and, and right, that yes, we, we'd have Shane Bieber as the fifth best pitcher. So it would be the best pitching staff in baseball running away from it all. And even with that, it's still, you know, pretty incredible in many different marks. So Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not too terrible at the, the idea of going with Bieber, Clevenger, and Savali if they have to. And then Carrasco, like, like my dream is to have Savali as the starter, but if like a really short lease and then Carrasco can just come in whenever he needs to. Why? If he can to, pitch several innings. He's going to throw eight, inning, eight shutout innings. We're talking about Aaron Savali <laughs> here. He does. He's the best pitcher that's ever lived. So uh, I'm not too worried. No, he's, he's, he's pretty all right. No, it's, it, it sucks about Naquin, though. It's just it. I would I would almost say that Jordan Lupo injury is just as damaging to the Indians' hopes and dreams as the as Naquin. If only because they're, they're both platoony players who serve a role but aren't. You know, just good role players, but, you know, when they're not in the position that they're that they should be placed in then they're kind of useless i suppose i also yeah. like jordan luplo more so <laughs> i do like luplo i'm glad he's back he's, it's yes, i would like to have good. another he's just basically brandon guyer but could be better he's more 25 him, so. years old yeah exactly right, yeah. and and there's there's hope that he'll learn how to hit you know opposite handed pitching so 
or same hand. Where does that hope come from? I don't think we ever talked about that, but everybody always talks about like just let him play against both. Like he doesn't have a history of not being a platoon guy, well, right? It's just he doesn't what really he have is. much of a history. Is I think is what it really is. You know, he's I guess he's yeah. a, a com- total of 133 major league games. He's always kind of hello Charlie. He's always kind of hit in the in the minors, and he was a top rated prospect for a while there. So I think, and the fact again, he is 25 years old. So. And that is how we always feel about prospects. <laughs> this is the rule. As long as they're young, that's fine. They're going to be great. Yeah, they'll figure it out. I mean, yeah. Mike Trout figured out how to not hit fat, high fastballs. Everybody can do it. It's not that hard. Just don't swing at the high yeah. ones. Just don't swing <laughs> at the high ones. Come that's on, what I'm everyone. saying. I could be simple. a scout. Golly and I think if, if Lupo can even be just that platoon bat, I feel like I'm happy with that trade. Oh, Eric Gonzalez was that. fun, but yeah, it's not no, that hard to beat it. If he can be a, a Brandon Geyer slash, um, oh, what was his name from 2016? Ryan Rayburn. But for the next like five or six years and just murder uh, left-handed pitching. Yeah, man, that's fine. That's a, that is a vital piece who will be a folk hero type of guy. You know, it's just like a, a, a niche beloved guy for the Indians for a long time. Like all of us will be huge Jordan Luplo heads. Loop heads, I guess, would be a fun <laughs> loop one. heads. We already Naquin heads, but now he's dead, so it's loop heads. Loop heads, like he's saying. Could we? No, that's not a good one. I was gonna have think, try to think of other names, but I couldn't think of any. Anyway, Luplo maniacs. We can't have more. It's just Naquin heads. You can't have other heads. That's Looplaniacs. That's pretty good. Looplaniacs. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Um, so yeah, we're gonna go from a terrible story of Tyler Naquin's leg blowing apart to a more happy. I, I guess it, it's happy, sort of. Is Carlos Carrasco coming back? I mean, the fact that he's no, Matt, it's back sad is happy. and depressing, you butthead. <laughs> I mean, the fact that we have to celebrate <laughs> this is sad because it was all he's been through. But it was such a great moment when he came back. Um, he was on the mound. He got a standing ovation in Tampa Bay. And then it, it looked by the looks of it that he was he was crying about to tear up on the mound. So Lindor came up and gave him a hug and just tried to get oh. him to, to calm back down. And that was a moment where if you're watching and you didn't cry at least a little bit, I'm not sure what you're doing existing without emotions. But how big is is Carrasco coming back to the Indians now that he's been gone since June? He could be in the playoffs. He could be their Andrew Miller. He could be the – I'd assume he could go a couple innings if he really needs to. But I'm just, I'm really excited to see how Terry Francona uses him, not so much in the regular season. I, I'd assume that's mostly getting him just back and ready for the playoffs if they make it. But I want to see especially how they use him when it really matters in October, when there's, if, if God forbid, we're in a wild card game, um, even if, even in a short ALDS series, like where they use him. And also part of me is worried that he won't be used that much. And we'll just see Adam Simber and Nick Goody be driven into the ground and Nick Whitgren won't be used either. And I don't know what Tito does half the time, but Carlos Crasco being back on its own, it's exciting. It sucks that it had to happen and that we have to celebrate that he's back now from such a terrible injury or not even injury, a terrible just thing of having leukemia and he's already back from it that alone is pretty incredible. So I don't know. Did you, did you watch it or did you, are you excited for him to be back? I'm sure. And, and what do you think of him well, going forward on the Indians? So you mentioned obviously the, will we even see him pitch at all? And I think we've had the same conversation about one injured pitcher or another, the last three years, I feel like about, will he come back for the playoffs and be a fireman? It'll be cool. Huh? Right. Just like uh Tim Lincecum was in 20, whatever. Now, Every year two, that was Danny Salazar, though. That's the well, difference. Well, no, actually, two years ago, it, I think I think Carrasco was that person once. I don't remember when. I just I feel like that's true. Remember because he broke. I don't know. Anyway, that uh, was before like the string of goodness, though. There was a time when he was out, and we thought he could be a reliever when he came back. Right? That's what is it that was, what you're thinking? Right, of? Maybe. Yeah. But anyway, t- to your point, uh, this is the first time that we've had a quote unquote guy of Terry Francona's be in this potential position. Like I'm sure he likes, you know. 
uh, Clippard or Simber or Woodgren or whatever. But I mean, he's been, you know, I mean, he's him and, and Carrasco have been working together for a long time now, and they like each other from from by all accounts. And they're, you know, and Carrasco is also just a you know backbone player of the team. So that alone, I think, is the reason that he could actually have some sort of uh, outsized role as as a, like a reliever uh, when when things get kind of big. That plus, you know, obviously we've been seeing some some issues with the the kind of big four or five relief guys uh, over the last couple of weeks, it seems like with fatigue, particularly with hand, with lost his fastball and he was pitching like shit. Uh, Whitgren's kind of taking a step back, you know, whatever. But if nothing else, it, it, it brings some, you know, it's, it's like calling up a guy on the 40 man, but also it's a, it's a guy who, when he's at his best, he's a, one of the five or 10 best pitchers in baseball. Yeah. I'm curious and excited to see what kind of pitcher, if they continue to use him in a one or multiple inning thing, what kind of pitcher he becomes because I've said it before. I've written about it countless times. The, the value of Car- Carlos Carrasco comes in his pitch mix as much as in uh, the, the, the sheer value of any one of his pitches. He has all these amazing pitches. His curve, you know, his curveball is on par with that of like uh, Aaron Sanchez, uh, who's now on the Astros and is supposed to turn into a, you know, like in terms of spin rate and stuff like that. And his fastball is great. He, if you look at in terms of strikeout or whiff rates for pitches, he's, Top 25 with three or four different pitches. And, you know, I think that's a combination of they're all great pitches, but also they're all great, you know, they all work together well. So I, I'm, I'm excited just to see surely how, like how he uses himself. You know what I mean? When he came on on uh, Sunday, he threw all two seamers. That, that was it, which is cool. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. We can't judge a whole lot from that one. No, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's, <laughs> so it's much nothing. No, one, no, yeah. it's, 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 it's less than a data point. It's, it's, it's noise more than anything else. Uh, so that, that that's why I think it's interesting. And if he get, does get used in more of like a, you know, he comes in the fifth and pitches through the seventh, how will he work it? Will he work it like, as though he's a starter? He's been pitching like a reliever since what twenty fifteen or whatever. You know, I, when he came back from the from whatever and you know came back from the pen, became a starter again. He's been pitching out of the stretch ever since. So it's definitely something he'd be comfortable with, and something that I think will work better than any of our weird pipe dreams of Danny Salazar or whoever. <laughs> Those are dead. Those are very, very dead. Never. He's still out there. <laughs> never, and, never give up on Danny Salazar. <laughs> and uh, Krasko also has an uptick in velocity too. He was at 95, 96 on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And oh, I believe he reached part. 97 in AAA. Is, we're going to see that. Yeah. And, and if you'll, if you'll remember back to when he was a relief pitcher uh, for that, you know, that brief half a season, what was that? 2014, uh, I guess it was. I mean, he was he was throwing like ninety seven, ninety eight because it's 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 there in the arm to do it. It's just when you're don't when you're going thirty starts a, a season, you don't need to do that quite so much. It's God, he was so goddamn good. He threw one hundred and thirty four innings and you know twelve of them. You know, how many? How many in forty appearances? Only fourteen starts and I especially like the idea of that. This is Francona's guy is one of these guys. I think right. I think Simber has turned into one of those, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> he seems to be one that. Francona leans on high leverage well, situations, but I, I love the idea of Carrasco being there. I, th- I think I think the the weird factor of Simber probably factors, but the but yeah, we're, we're talking about like you know things like his arm is weird that'll throw him off, and then it never does. Oh, and it does, <laughs> man! I mean, he, he's got the lowest release. Like he, 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 he the, the ball is released below where it hits the strike zone routinely, which is confusing to say the least. It doesn't seem to matter a whole lot, though. Well, it does. I mean, again, look at those splits against righties. He is an absolute murderer against right-handed hitting. So. That's why guess, he still yeah. does have value. That's why I wrote about it what, last year because I was like, oh, he's going to kill all these the MVP candidate hitters out there. You're Mike's Trout and you're Aaron's Judge and you're Mookie's Betts. 
But then he didn't. He didn't instead do that. It turns out, no. <laughs> turns out he can't always beat Mike Trout or future Roberto Perez. Just not every time. Just once no, in a while. I mean, no one can beat future Roberto Perez. <laughs> the <best of> God. <laughs> but, but back to uh, Carrasco. No, it's it, if nothing else, it's exciting and fun. We're all. I'm very happy he's back because he's always been a favorite of mine. Uh, just oh, you can't not love Carrasco. Yeah. He, he, well, and if, if only for on field stuff. Like I, I know he, like he more so it seems, and really any te- any player I've seen, and probably since honestly Victor Martinez uh, truly has embraced the city and the team and everything, and 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 feels truly at home. And like I think you know, just like with Martinez, if he got traded, he'd probably just cry his eyes out. He he really seems happy he, happy in Cleveland, and that's you know that's a rarity. I know we were joking about about it for the podcast. No one will ever know what we were saying. Ha ha. ha. <laughs> but <laughs> and no, it definitely it feels genuine too. Like is yeah. is more than Trevor Bauer never bought at all. I think his was all. I've always thought that he did all his charity stuff for like a shield, like he can he yeah. can say and do what he wants. And say, no, look, I'm a good person. I do all his char- charities, and I feel like he's gonna do that wherever he goes. I don't think he well, good he cared about that Cleveland specifically that much. Um, and even like it's not the same thing as Trevor Bauer in any way, but like Lindor, I feel like he's going to embrace any city he's in and he's going to treat it as his city. He knows he's the, the big baseball guy there. He's, he's done it really well for Cleveland as a great ambassador, but I don't know if he like for Carrasco, it seems like it's special to him. And like, it's Cleveland specifically. If he goes somewhere else, like he'll still like Carlos Carrasco is another one or Carlos Santana is another one too, where it's, it's Cleveland specifically. It's not just embracing the city that he's currently in. Like, I feel like if Lindor goes somewhere else, he's going to be a great ambassador for there too. And good for him and good for the city. I'm not like bemoaning him for that at all, but, I just feel like there's certain players that attach to a certain city and Carrasco and Santana are two of them that attach to Cleveland really well. And that's why everybody's embraced them so much. And, and that's great. But also too, it's just the on-field stuff. I've, I've always liked watching him pitch. Um, and always, I take that back. There were, but he's, he's had probably the most interesting, even more so than a, than I say Trevor Bauer, who was, you know, the, the, the young phenom struggling, struggling, building himself, always in the media. You'll, he he helped us learn, I think, a lot more about pitching than we ever had any right to know or probably care enough to know, honestly. But um, Carrasco, just the, the arc from, you know, other guy in the Cliff Lee deal to total head case to injury to um, fighting his way back to, I don't know, just turning into an absolute stud. He's been truly wonderful and somehow always overlooked, if only because of, who else is on the team? But you know, you look at his over the last, I don't know, whatever, from 2015 to 2018, he had 340 ERA, 180 innings in, per season. It's just always great. Always a great player, always a great pitcher, and always a great person, too. And so to see him able to come back like this, it's neat. And, and knowing he'll be on the Indians for quite some time, too, is also. Um, so looking ahead, it's we'll wrap up this relatively short episode with looking at, um, I mean, I guess, does it. I said in the intro, I don't know, am I right or wrong that really this is the only series? I, I think you've disagreed with me in the past, but always like if they'd have to sweep the series at this point now to make it really matter. But I mean, if if you blow these these six games in what is it nine days to play against the Twins? I mean, that's that's pretty much it for the division. If they get if they lose more than half, maybe if they get swept one or the other. It's really bad, but they're buried. Um, yeah, no, I, I think they're buried. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was really good that they they lined up Bieber and Clevenger. They're going to pitch four of the six games, so if the Indians are doing what they can to set themselves up to be well, and then play also the Angels in between, which hopefully they could just run over. But I don't know if it'll actually happen that way. Um, it it kind of sucks that the Indians are going to fly. They play in Minnesota. They go to the West Coast, play some stupidly late games on the West Coast, and then go to Cleveland. So I don't know if that's going to 
hamper them at all for the last yeah, part the of the series. Off, so that's probably not a big deal. But yeah. yeah, I would think it's it's it sucks for me, man. I'm thinking about me here. Sure. This is sure. <laughs> who cares about these players and they're sacrificing everything for me to watch on my couch. I got to stay up slightly later than usual. I know you feel, it's man. Terrible. <laughs> the, Ra- the Raiders play at ten twenty <laughs> on Monday night. It's terrible. <laughs> I feel so bad for you, man. Oh. You have to watch the Raiders. That's Lord the worst of mercy. Part of it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so what do you think of uh, do the Indians have a shot here or are we just going to well, yeah. wait for them I mean, to slowly obviously, die? the last time they played them they took 2 of 3, right? They they I don't know. They they need to win cuz if they win 5 of 6, they're still two back, I think, right? A three back, something like that. Oh, that's just depressing. I think it win 5 of 6 and still be several back. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's just it's just because stupid baseball math is dumb. <laughs> uh if they Yeah, I think that's how it works out. But anyway, yeah, they, no, they, they just need the Twins to stop being so good, like for a, a couple. Well, weeks. that's the thing. Like the the the, the positive to all this is that they they have the tools to at least quiet the the, the Twins. Uh, between obviously uh, Clevenger and Bieber, we have two Cy Young candidates. Not you know obviously they're not going to come in thir- first or second, um, but still they I, I I think both will get top, a decent amount of top five votes at the very least, and then the third being. Um, I don't mean to toot the Aaron Savali horn too much, but I, I almost feel like he's purpose-built to beat this team, if only because they want to hit fly balls, and he wants to let them hit fly balls, but he doesn't let them barrel it up. Is that a dangerous dance? Oh, Matt, the most dangerous there is. But <laughs> it's uh, it's at the same time, it, it, as long as he executes his pitches, you know, then it's, it's the right mix of pitches. I mean, they're, they're all these guys who love to hit the ball down. Who love to hit sinker balls and fat and you know and like sliders down and whatnot. And he doesn't throw that. He throws high spin fastballs up in the zone, um, making you want to hit it, and then you hit it bad. And it's a it, it's it, it'll it could work in their favor. I don't know. It's but like you said, and we've been talking about this for 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 a month or so. This is the entire season, which I don't think it. I don't think that putting all the the eggs in this basket is the right way to go. It's it's not like it's easy the rest of the, besides these six games. The Angels aren't terrible. Um, Mike Trett will always have something to say. The Tigers are terrible. The White Sox are bad. <laughs> they have nothing to say. But the, I mean, you know, the, the Phillies and Nationals both have aims to make the playoffs and they need to win those games just as much as the Indians need to win those games. Uh, that could be a great series at the end of the season. Like you could, I know. you live yeah. near the Nationals. I'm assuming you're going to at least one of those, right? I'll go two of those. Yeah. yeah hell yeah. Are you? You're going to be uh, wearing your Indians uniform? And Damn, probably... I can't go to one of them. Fuck. Oh, well. I've got two of them. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, uh, yeah, I will wear Indians gear. I will wear... <laughs> of course. Everyone will go, hey, whatever. Who cares? If I go, hey, all right. It's the Nationals. Nobody really cares there. <laughs> no, not they're at all. They're just there because they got tickets from some work and thing. And okay. Yeah, yeah they, they're all just um, yeah, t- tickets donated by some pack or a lobbyist. It's great. Great fans yeah, can... down there. Yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> you can scout future Indian Anthony Rendon, though. Ooh, that's true. And, and future Indian Juan Soto. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> totally. They're going to get him. Absolutely. It's a quick trade. The learners are stupid and bad at what they do. So <laughs> That's going to be uh, some motivation there. The, I, the Nationals clearly listen to this podcast. And they're going to print out your quote and stick it on their locker. The, uh, and leave us a bad review on Apple Podcasts. The people who made the, uh, uh, what do you call it, schedule, by which I mean that stupid computer, Really accidentally stumbled into a few great ones here, though. But with the Twins being both uh, both weekend series, yeah, uh, it really and also being so huge and everything like that, it's a, a, a happy little accident, I suppose. <laughs> they stuff the division games at the end now, right? That's a purpose. They do. No, thing. yeah, they, they definitely yeah, okay. I, they they pile up division games. I think at the at either end of the of the season, right? 
But I, 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 yeah, I finishing like with the Nationals the, is good. I don't like that being in the first half of the season. I, I think it, it, it ends up creating too much stratification, I guess. But then, of course, you get fun races and things like that. So, but uh-huh. and that's one of the things. I, I'm. I don't know if we talked about this before, but like people always say, you should just have an even schedule and don't do divisions. Just have I love divisions, a conference honestly. and you get this many. Yes, it's 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 made up drama, but who cares? That's every sport is just made up drama. They're hitting a ball with a stick, <laughs> like. It adds these fake races because otherwise, what would the Indians be right now? It would not be nearly as fun as trying to chase, chase down these goddamn twins if they were just they'd, they'd just, just be for fifth, whatever. And that's it. Yeah, it'd exactly. Just be a wild no, card. Yeah, they'd just be yeah, they'd just be a wild card team that wouldn't be yeah, exactly. There wouldn't be any anything going on here at all. It would just be whatever. right. There's no rivalry. They'd, they'd be chasing the, the Rays or the A's. That's, yeah, ooh, uh, like, that's, <laughs> they'd be much more vague and occasional. Like that's the thing. It, it forges a harder rivalry than you ever end up with in the NBA. Like the NBA is much more transient rivalries. Uh, like you know, outside of Lakers Celtics, you have like ones that kind of happen. Like we had, I never really felt like Cavs Warriors was a rivalry. They just played each other every June. Like is that a rivalry? I guess I don't know. It was more of a LeBron James sort of a thing. But yeah, I didn't. That never felt like much. It's weird because they played four NBA championships in a row. It never felt like anything to me. No, I mean I don't know. Getting your ass whooped, I guess. But you know, <laughs> that, that hey. feels like something. All right, <laughs> I'm not a huge Cavs fan. Okay, no, I <laughs> but. It's it's more exciting this way. I think it's fun. I mean, it, it's either this or you get you end up getting the. I'm watching a lot of soccer lately, and I I kind of enjoy the way they do it too. The they do the exact you know it's it's there's only one league and it's up or down. You either win it or you don't. Don't they do exciting. a bunch of crazy shit too? Like, weren't you gonna? Did you write about that or were you going I've to ta- about I've how the, about it all the goddamn time? Yeah, and I still how baseball should implement it. Yeah, yeah, an FA Cup kind of a thing. Yeah, well, <laughs> just I mean, swap shit around in the middle it, of the season. Uh, American soccer does it too. I didn't. I didn't resonate relatively recently. But they they do have the U.S. Open, which is every single soccer team from four different levels oh, plays cool. in it, and it's super neat. I think it's a really rad thing, you know. But I just want to see the Yankees like crush some low A team. Just, just, <laughs> just getting on the yeah, just going down to Montgomery and dumping <laughs> on the biscuits. Yeah, <laughs> take a big old dump on the biscuits. <laughs> Beat up their own single A team just. Uh... Who is the biscuits? That's Staten the, Island Yankees. Sorry, they, they just head over to Staten Island and just wail on them for a little while. And go home. <laughs> they barely have to stop. Their buses are still parked outside. They, 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 they literally just, they, they, they just call up their entire AAA to send them down there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Wow. Anyway, yeah, big, se- only... big series coming up. It's fun. I'm talking about the one yeah. against the White Sox, of course. Of course, obviously, it's well, game one will be done by the time this post, but we'll see if. I mean, if they flub that, then who cares about the Twins? You're you're yep. going for the wild yeah. card at that point. Yeah, go and get swept by the White Sox. Right. Whoops, well, that's it then. All right. uh, have a great I've year. I've had a, a moral objection to to rooting for the wild card because, I mean, it's always a fallback. But, I mean, I'm getting to the point where, all right, let's let's get the wild card. Oh, no, and, and we'll definitely have a clear picture of that um, on, you know, the morning or September root 9th. For a we'll one know game. where we are. Yeah. yeah. And on the same note of liking divisions, I like the wild card. I like that it incentivizes you to win your division, but it also doesn't keep more people out of the playoffs i think yeah. it's a perfect compromise the, the, the way and i also don't want to play it, in it is, yeah <laughs> the, the way they redid it is definitely way better the um right. having the two of them and you having to play in game because it could really fuck up a whole season just by accident which right I think is it, delightful just the fact that it makes you want to win your division without taking away playoff spots i thought was brilliant it adds more playoff spots it makes it so good lord you better win or you're going to be in a, a roll of dice over your whole entire season um it all comes down to this one game and the Indians are going to play in it. God damn it. I hate it. But I also like well, it. And, and we have to remember, too, you know, that, I mean, the, the Twins have to win games, too. So 
I, I know that they're they very have, good and they hit a billion bombs and, and they keep on winning games. Yes. Uh, but they have to play what they got Red Sox, the Nationals come to town, White Sox, Royals. Chuck. God damn it. Oh, <laughs> never mind. So they have the AL Central to play. Yeah, they're, they're they, going to be OK. I think they're going to be okay. They have the AL Central, the Red Sox and the Nationals, basically. So so the, the AL Central, one team who's probably not very good and also the Nationals. That's good. It's fine. So anyway, that wild card game. I hate you, computer who designed this stupid schedule. (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) All right, Merritt. That's going to do it uh, for this week, which is definitely recorded on a Sunday. We're not recording on Labor Day because that might violate something. Mm -hmm. At least ethically, but we're definitely recording on a Sunday. But anyway, we will. If you're listening now, leave us a nice review on iTunes. Spotify. I don't think Spotify does reviews, but whatever. Let your friends know you listen to it. Let us know you're listening to it. Um, It's always been neat. And uh, talk to you next week. Bye.